of the Pleasure Without Actually podcast, where we talk all things that enhance women's sexual pleasure. Our interview today is with Jenna Laflemme, the founder of the Pleasurable Weight Loss Movement. Her profound teachings show that pleasurable weight loss is neither a contradiction nor an oxymoron. During her 10-plus year struggle with food, weight, and poor body image, Jenna was uncomfortable within her own body and was highly suspicious of pleasure. This lasted until she discovered that her issue wasn't that she was having too much pleasure, it was that she wasn't having enough pleasure. As she learned to trust the wisdom of her female body and to trust pleasure, she came to peace with food. Her figure and her body image transformed. Now Jenna has devoted her life to showing women around the world how to be in tune with the innate wisdom of their bodies and how they too can be at peace with food while feeling great every step of the way. She takes a fierce stand for all women to take pride in themselves and see the strength and beauty of their femininity. In the first half of this interview, Jenna dives deep and shares with us how she became a priestess of pleasure, her journey from rape victim to reclaiming her sexuality, how her yoga practice helped Jenna face her teenage rape experiences, why the path to healing always includes facing the trauma, how seeing her body as part of the earth changed how Jenna treated her body, what the Hindi focus on the divine feminine taught Jenna, why portraying the divine as male hurts women, and what you can do to embrace your divine feminine. So there's a lot of really juicy goodness here. Enjoy. Jenna, thank you so much for making the time to connect today. It's um, really quite a treat. And I'm delighted to be speaking with you and um, would love for you to share just at the beginning a bit about pleasure's role in your life and how you came to be a priestess of pleasure. Mm. Well, I'm really happy to be here, kids. So, yes, we have come to currently live in a culture where the dominant paradigm, the dominant belief system perceives that the mind is superior to the body. The body mm-hmm. is clean. Sorry, pardon me. The mind is clean. The body is dirty. Mind is good. Body is bad. Sex is bad. And even now, okay, there are newer ideas of their sexual liberation to a degree, but there's still a deeply entrenched sense that we're going to get in trouble for being sexual, that it's wrong, that it's sinful, that it's too much pleasure, that it would just be all-consuming if we surrendered to it. And so we, yeah, we are not taught to understand pleasure as something to be approached as wise medicine. We're not taught Mm -hmm. discernment. We're just taught that's bad. And we we internalize it and we we believe it until life gives us so much evidence that we find, you know what, when I'm having a good time, I actually feel better, I work better, I sleep better, relationships are better. We start to notice as we differentiate from our families that, hang on, I don't think pleasure really is all that bad. And that was my journey that has led me to understand that there historically have been many cultures that really appreciated pleasure as a guiding path, including Mm -hmm. earth-based cultures, the earth-based religions of my ancestors. I'm ethnically Celtic from Ireland. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yes, there really is a way of living where 
feeling good is understood as important and nurtured and put into its right place. And as I was in this inquiry and discovery, I found that that also helps you have a peaceful relationship with food, also helps you Mm -hmm. lose weight, also helps you feel happy with your body image. So it's really an incredible medicine, incredible solution strategy for some of the things that a lot of women battle with and that I used to battle with. Mm, beautiful. Um, can you share a bit about your battles in a bit more specificity? <laughs> I think it would be really helpful for us all to hear the, it seems like the expectations you put on yourself, even from an age of a little girl, around perfectionism. You know, I, I love this this opening of, like, I grew up thinking I'd be a doctor or scientist or diplomat, and my true calling was a priestess of pleasure. Um, but I'm wondering if you can if you can paint the picture for us a little bit more deeply around you as a little girl and emerging through um, through your journey and to where you are now. Well, I don't feel like I was raised with an excessively puritanical family. I think mm-hmm. in the scheme of things, certainly compared to the intensity of some religious upbringings that many people have had, mine was more neutral or, or more moderate anyway. And mm-hmm. my mother would always say she was an atheist, but we did. My dad would say he was a Christian and we would go to church and there was that influence. And I don't remember any pleasure-positive, sex-positive conditioning. It was pretty fear-based. And, yeah, I mean, I went through some intense trauma, I will say. If I, is it okay if I share something traumatic? Yes, yes, of course. Um, yeah. So something that happened to me in my teenage years as I started to discover my sexuality and discover um, discover drinking and discover, you know, as teenagers do. And I ended up going out one night with a fake ID to a nightclub underage with a friend and drinking and being raped and mm-hmm. losing my virginity when I was 15 years old on the street with someone I'd met in the club. So I guess somewhere between date rape and a rape with a stranger given I just met him that night. Mm-hmm. And, wow, I think that really shaped me in terms of how it taught me that my boundaries were not worth anything, that I didn't have the power to say no, um, that I could be dominated that I could be my body could be violated I you know definitely carried around a lot of fears at the time I completely repressed the memory and didn't tell anybody and didn't get any support for many years until later when I started doing yoga and it all came up when I learned to be present I was like oh my gosh what's up here whoa yeah that really happened and you know I, I put it out there because one of the things that going to come up when you embrace pleasure as a path is that you start feeling more. That's really what I'm getting at here. Feeling Mm. more. And that's why you can say it's a spiritual thing. It's a meditative thing. To feel more means to bring your conscious awareness to your senses, to the direct experience of life as it's unfolding. And that that is a spiritual thing. But what happens is when you're present to the, the good stuff, the pleasure, you also become present to the pain, more present to like, wow, 
I was raped when I was a teenager and I repressed it for all those years. Mm-hmm. Fancy that. Okay, can I feel it now? Can I handle mm-hmm. that? And the more you're actually letting yourself have pleasure and really feel good, the more you're going to have this stamina to really face your demons. I'm reminded hearing those words of um, a, a mentor of mine had once described it as if you put your index finger and touch it to your thumb and, and imagine that you had a rubber band that when you, when you distance the index finger from the thumb, they, they go both in both directions equally um, mm-hmm. and that that's what it really means to be expanding into, um, into that presence that you were speaking of, but that it is, it, it is on both sides. So when we can expand our capacity to feel it, it's balanced, um, and that can be that can be really scary. But facing, as you say, the demons is part of the whole expansion process. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So when you face them, then they they transform, and they they don't just stay the demons you thought they were. Things things shift, and they they can be released. Right. Right. And that's the that's the important thing to remember. <laughs> um and the the path to the healing is, is actually facing it. Um so thank you so much for, for sharing that story and that piece of the journey. I know it's something that relates to a lot of women and certainly that that feeling of um trying to move past it through some sort of um submersion of it. Um, I don't know if that's how you felt, but you know that in, in times in my life when, I, when things have happened that I that I haven't wanted them to happen, or they have had some level level of trauma associated with them, my my instinct is like let's pretend it didn't happen. <laughs> um, that learning more and more that that although it is I'm sure coming from some place of self protection, it's actually leading down leading me down a much a much darker route than than facing than naming and speaking the the truth of of whatever has occurred Depression mm. um, is never the way to go right <laughs> and yet it is still what we um predominantly think is is the is the best solution but it certainly leads to much um much deeper deeper harm. Um, so help me understand a bit more the role you mentioned yoga and and meditation and also in in I've, I've, in your words previously I've read this connection to nature was also a really important piece of your your healing process. Um, and mm-hmm. I'd love to know about all of that in a bit more detail. Yeah, those were two big healing forces for me that came at a young age. I was very fortunate when I was in my late teens to meet you, one of the things is a white white no, sorry vegetarian crocodile Dundee, or he's a, a white mm-hmm. Aborigine, um, mm-hmm. metaphorically speaking, a uh, nature nature ecologist, marine forest ecologist, and wise nature mystic, had the fortunate Wonderful. chance of becoming friends with. And he would take me into guided bushwalks in nature, off the tracks, really seeing the ancient trees, two and thousand year, two and three thousand year old trees with vines and ferns and palms, and really getting the exquisiteness of nature untouched by human destruction. 
and understanding, wow, the full glory of nature in a way that I'd never quite comprehended before. Mm. And from there, also realizing that I am part of nature. I'm not separate from that. And if nature is this exquisite, if it's not tampered with by humans, then how exquisite could my body be if I got my mind out of the way? Mm. So I started to give my body more credit, thinking, hey, my body's part of nature. Nature is amazing. Perhaps my body's amazing. Can I listen? Mm. Can I respect her? Can I give her the benefit of the doubt? Can I give her good conditions, a great ecosystem and ecology so that she is supported to be the genius that she is? And Mm. I just started to really understand that my body deserves the benefit of the doubt, the best treatment possible, and instead of denying myself good care to really give it to myself. So that was a component for sure. And then you mentioned yoga. So I went to India also when I was a teenager. And there was radically life-changing in in multiple conversations that really altered my reality. And one of them was the the discovery of the divine feminine, the discovery of Mm. the goddess. And again, I come from a Christian background and I heard of God and Jesus Mm -hmm. and Mary, the the virgin of the whore. But there Mm. was never this talk of goddess. And I'd heard of the Greek goddesses which I thought were fictitious mythologies and entertaining stories, parables at best. Mm -hmm. But but yeah, from another era and certainly not alive now. And through my experience in India, I came to understand, well, in India, India is a country where the divine feminine is alive in the religion, in the Hindu religion. And I don't know if Buddhists would say in, in, in Buddhism too, but certainly in Hinduism, the divine feminine is is the goddess comes by many names and she is understood as a living force uh, it's an archetypal energy it's uh it's a presence it's a way of of being that each of these goddesses represents and they're very much alive in us and and that's very exciting to go from this Judeo-Christian perspective of seeing yourself as lesser than God as born a sinner, as God is masculine, you know, woman is, you know, who knows what, second best for sure, mm-hmm. to seeing a paradigm where, oh, here there's a divine feminine, there's a goddess, wow, the divine represented in, in female form, in female values and expressions and, hmm, what does that make me feel about myself? So, you know, what's interesting is India and Hindu India that has these goddesses, from my observation, is a very patriarchal place and it hasn't translated in the same way to this empowerment that I believe is available in these Mm. teachings. Um, But for a Western woman, for us to say, hey, look at these archetypes, look at these energies, look at the divine feminine as something that really is alive and that we're part of is critical to being a fulfilled woman. And certainly you're mentioning priestess, which is Mm -hmm. a a term I I love and and I love how democratic it is. For me, any woman can self-proclaim, I am a priestess. I am, to me, that means I am an ambassador for the divine feminine. I am representing the Mother Earth. I am channeling magic in my own unique way, humbly. Uh, this is something for any woman that no one can tell you you are or you aren't. It's really your own 
attraction to to this aspect which is in you whether you uh, access or not it's there and if you do access it it's uh it's beautiful I, I would love every woman to be in touch with their inner priestess to have that sense of hey i have a relationship with the divine with the spark of life with what really counts with the magic i can I can bring the love, I can bring the healing, each in their own unique way. Wouldn't that be great if everyone felt that confidence? Ah, it'd be so wonderful. No, I love what you what you said. Oh, I want to touch on a, a bit of it, but um, particularly around this this notion that like this is in all women and it's available to all women. And yeah. Whereas the the notion of a priest does seem to inherently evoke a sense of hierarchy and um, a certain select group. And priestess has a completely different um, feel and invitation to it. Yep. And also realizing in your shares the similarities. I'm, I'm like I loved. I, I particularly like absolutely loved seeing um, the Greek gods and goddesses when I was a little girl. I'm also realizing how much they were always taught as as fables, as myths, whereas mm. the the religion courses were Judeo-Christian based. And that mm-hmm. was the discussion of religion, um, and then aspects that involved involved strong spiritual feminine forces were not presented as as religion, um, which is just an interesting reflection I was having while listening to, to your words. So thank you for that. Yeah, and that's something important. Religion does tap into a human need and desire, which is for spirituality, for meaning, for a bigger picture, for answering that question of purpose and identity. And currently, it's the patriarchal religions that are dominating the world in one flavor or another, where we see the divine is masculine. And what does that tell a woman, what does that tell a girl about herself if the divine is masculine? It tells her she's lesser than. And okay. that's really got to change. That's something I can't consider myself as an ambassador for the feminine, supporting in my lifetime in the ways I can to help women, to help the world realize the value of the feminine and to, to bring a balance back. I do believe there was a balance once and somehow we've lost our way and that we can find it again. And the first place to find it is in, within yourself, within your own internal potential patriarchy of the mind over the body. Is your mind judging your body? Is your mind mean to your body? Is your mind you know, cruel, a cruel taskmaster? owning and possessing the body, thinking it can use or abuse the body, or is your mind caring and kind to the body and a partner to the body? Not a dominator, not a master, but a collaborator and a great companion and caretaker. So that's where we start, and when we do that, wow, we feel good. Surprise, surprise, you take care of your body, you feel amazing. It gives right. you energy, it gives you courage, it gives you great sex, it, you know, it all comes right. together. And then you can be of great service in the world and you're not stuck in your poor me and dissatisfaction. You're getting, you know, you're fulfilled, you're healthy, you're happy, and you can be a change agent on the planet, which is what we so desperately need, clearly. Right. Oh, I love all that so much. You have advice for women who are hearing this and thinking, this is resonating. I have a I have a priestess archetype within me, but maybe so going through a bit of that who am I discussion with themselves, as well as a maybe this is for other people and I would need to know where to start. Yeah, definitely. So if that's you, I would say firstly don't get hung up in the word priestess. 
mm-hmm. really that's a symbol for woman, woman in her power. You can think mm-hmm. of it that way. Are you a woman in her power? Woman in her power is magical. She's spiritual. She's creative. She knows how to feel good. She knows how to take care of herself and others. And a woman in her power is just breathtaking, wouldn't you say? Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love, I really appreciate um, you initially saying, like, don't get hung up on the word, um, because I think that's really not, not the point. I love this woman and her power and breathtaking for sure. Yeah. And this year I was in this book, The Path of the Priestess, and it became more out on the front of this word, priestess. And mm-hmm. I, I, I do love the word very much. Mm-hmm. But another way to to say that is, you know, a, a woman who is sovereign, a woman who trusts herself, a woman who loves herself, mm-hmm. a woman who is tapped into her wisdom, a woman who's tapped into her intuition. So if you are any of these things, I want you, and you're recognizing parts of this, I want you to acknowledge yourself that these are important skills, they're valuable skills, they're not skills and talents that patriarchal society necessarily commends you for, like, oh, great intuition. Maybe you have work that acknowledges that, hopefully, but maybe it's not recognized truly, or these other feminine or spiritual or earth-based, connected to magic aspects of yourself that no one is giving you recognition for, that you give it to yourself. And that you say, mm. yes, this is an important part of who I am. Um, give you an example for me, Kit, is dance. Over mm. the last year, really allowing myself to acknowledge this really taps me into you know, aliveness and feeling good and feeling great. And I'm going to give it to myself. I'm going to nurture myself with the things that feel great. So similarly, allowing yourself to really know what are the things that... Phew, tap you into feeling fully alive and giving, giving, allowing yourself to have them. That, to me, is what a priestess does. Oh, that's so wonderful. That's such a beautiful, actionable step in giving the permission to see them as important and valuable. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I love that. Our interview today is with Jenna LaFun and Kit Marie Maloney and more of the Pleasure Without Actually podcast in just a moment. First, I'd like to mention a project that makes this podcast possible, our Oh Actually Indiegogo campaign. We've taken our tagline, Love What Feels Good, to our favorite t-shirt style. You can check it out and grab your very own when you now donate, or donate again, $25 to our Indiegogo campaign. Visit oactually.com slash Indiegogo. It's the Pleasure Without Actually podcast. I'm Kit Marie Maloney, and our interview today is with Jenna LaFlemme. In the second half of our interview, we discuss how dancing can be transformative and the value of putting yourself and your pleasure first. Stay tuned and enjoy. Well, tell me a bit more about the dance, because I, um, I did have the privilege of dancing with you in Bali earlier in the year, um, and it was extraordinary. And so I'd love for you to share more about how you connected into dance and what type of dance you're doing and offering to the world now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So look, what we all want is to feel healthy and energized and in shape and clear and confident and powerful and 
and be powerful agents in the world? And how are you going to support your body to be that? So definitely I'm a big fan of yoga and meditation and mm-hmm. I'm so happy with how yoga has proliferated, certainly in the United States. You know, this is an international podcast. Um, mm-hmm. I imagine in many parts of the world yoga is really expanding yeah. and its availability. And there's so many different versions that even saying yoga is such a broad term, but mm-hmm. even with that broad term, there's so much benefit in in learning meditation, learning breathing, learning stretching, learning yoga, philosophy, all of it. So that's excellent. And, of course, eating eating well is, is really important. And is my belief that dancing is a really, really important part of the, the X factor, the magic that ignites it all together. And one of the things I teach about self-esteem and body image is that we think that when we think we look good, then we're going to feel good. And when you look good, mm-hmm. then you're going to feel good. But actually, it's when you feel good that you start to think you look good and mm-hmm. you do look better. So it, rather than starting with the trying to change yourself, instead, enjoy yourself, feel good now, and, wow, amazing things happen. So dance is one of those very powerful things where when you get into your groove with great music, with great people, or even in solo, that you you shift out of the mind. You shift into the direct experience of the moment. And these things you've been telling yourself, these things you believe that are true, can drop away momentarily and you can experience a new side of yourself, creative side, a powerful side, sensual, sexual, feminine side, I mean, there's no end to the sides of yourself you can bring to the dance. So that's why I'm more and more passionate about getting people dancing. Gee, I love singing while we're while we're at it. But, uh, <laughs> dancing is an even greater passion. And I, yeah, I've been dancing as a hobby, as something I did because I loved it. And in more recent times, I'm performing belly dance or temple dance and uh, really into Latin dance, salsa. Latin dances, so it's definitely a massive source of pleasure for me. Uh, yeah, there's something where you can dance when you can really shut off the mind, and and for me, I, <laughs> my lyrical voice is one that I'm not exactly boastful of, but when I allow myself the opportunities to sing along to loud music um, and to just free myself of any sort of imperfections on that, it's a it's certainly a liberating experience, um, and one, in hearing you speak about it, I'm realizing how much more I need to incorporate into it, into my day-to-day and not just have it be an, an exceptional thing to, to dance and sing. Mm. Yeah, so a great way to do that is to have something like Pandora. is a radio station, an online mm-hmm. radio station. You can choose a musician that you like and then get a station around of, of, of other musicians and songs related to the one that you like. And it's surprising. And you dance. You dance or a song, or two or three, and that's amazing exercise. It's amazing movement. It's, yeah, it's a great thing to do. Start start where you're at, and I also love instructional DVDs. That really works for me for dancing at home, to have some sense that someone's guiding me. Sometimes it is just free form. I, yeah, I want something more structured. So I love belly dance DVDs or hip-hop DVDs or salsa, Bollywood, there's all kinds of Mm -hmm. great products available 
on the internet and of course dance classes I'm going to dance classes and um yeah it's, it's yeah, a it's wonderful so thing. I'm so glad to hear you recommend Pandora because that is something that um has helped me tremendously. Um and and it kind of almost like I need to put a timer on my phone or something to really kick me off but those those moments where I give myself a dance break um and just pick some station and just trust that the song that I need will come. Um, you know, a single song is only usually like three to four minutes. <laughs> and yeah. Instantly, the whole the whole morning or afternoon or day can be transformed mm-hmm, completely. Mm-hmm. You know, all of us want to feel better, and sometimes mm-hmm. it can feel like, oh, feeling better the way other you know other people you know other women can dance. You know, not me. I'm too overweight. I'm too stiff. I'm too old. I'm too mm-hmm. whatever. I'm, I'm too unconscious. And I want to say no. That everyone has their dance. Everyone can bring grace their body and you might meet mm-hmm. might mean moving slowly i remember when i went to india to study yoga and i started the yoga teacher training and it was so slow and i was like well, you know what we're not doing you know these postures and it was just like no we're starting very slow and gentle and i learned the mm-hmm. power of starting even more slowly and gently than you could imagine and uh you know the same thing applies here yeah it does and that's so that's so not the predominant message in um in the world right now so i really appreciate hearing it i mean i feel like we're inundated with um fads and quick fixes and um and perfection you know perfection in the shortest amount of time possible um mm-hmm. so the reminder of the slowing and the trust that we're all built with the grace and the movement and the beauty. Um, yeah. It's so, so important. Yeah. And there's no shame in starting slow and building. There's beautiful things like restorative yoga. It's amazing. Mm. It's just small movement, gentle. You know, the, the idea is get started with something and you can build up. Don't wear yourself out with something too intense, too fast. And But get get moving. Find your dance. And there's beautiful classes like five rhythms or ecstatic dance or other things in this genre are guided, guided freeform dance. So there's some kind of container. So basically you're left to your own devices to find your own dance. And you're guided into your authentic dance. And these kinds of things, trance dance, and sometimes they call them, are so beneficial. I really recommend that. Mm, wonderful. Yeah. Um, I've done a handful of those, and they've just been so beautiful and wonderful. And I'm sort of smiling in reflection of myself, too, because restorative yoga and yin yoga, I find so wonderful and beautiful. And it was just a few years ago that it didn't make any sense to me. Like my my logical brain was like, this isn't exercise. I'm not burning calories. I shouldn't have to pay for this. I can do it at home. All of this. Oh, really? Full. Yeah. I mean, I think just even just a couple of years ago, I was very much in the mindset of, oh, I'm going to, you know, get in shape. So I'm going to run a marathon. <laughs> um and was very much on this mm. um, in this belief system of that exercise needed to be um, almost needed to be punishing um, mm. to, to quote unquote work. Yeah, <laughs> so, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yeah, I felt sorry, the same. I said I'm so mm. glad you mentioned that, and that <laughs> is a popular belief that exercise for to work quote unquote for weight loss. Mm-hmm. Right. Getting in shape needs to feel punishing, needs to feel hard, difficult, like 
you're sort of kicking your ass. And mm-hmm. it's actually not true. It does need to feel engaging. It does need mm-hmm. to be something that you bring your attention to. It does need, you know, can be something that you get into with intensity, but it doesn't need to feel bad, boring, punishing. There's many ways to engage your body, and I'm actually strongly against, I'm strongly against mm. this attitude of no pain, no gain, needs to hurt to get somewhere. Right, right. Oh, and engaged is my, like, new favorite feeling. Um, that's <laughs> that's mm-hmm. one of my core desired feelings for the past several months, and I just, it applies to so many different aspects of life, really all aspects of life, and offers such a more beautiful mm-hmm. experience than than hard work. Engaged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Engaged, yes. As we would say, much sexier than being married. Yeah. <laughs> Be engaged. <laughs> Be engaged forever. <laughs> Not tight or not, but just stay engaged. Stay engaged. Stay engaged. Yeah. So how has this been affecting you to um, examine pleasure as a guiding force? And you said that you've been embracing that as a practice, which is, is fantastic. Any shifts or insights you can share from that? Mm, thank you. I think it's... Um it's quite a journey for me, um, and that is something I still have to continue to remind myself and not judge myself on. I feel like these concepts are incredibly important, and I back them fully. And, you know, it's, it's what I stand for and what I actually stand for is, is the celebration of women's pleasure and women owning their pleasure. Um, but I would also say that a big takeaway for me personally is that engagement and balance and beauty around this is not is not easy, and it's actually oftentimes um, counterintuitive to me. Mm-hmm. And so it's a it's a practice. It's a continuous practice for me to think: Am I am I acting in this day, if you will, let alone mm-hmm. a month or year? But am I acting in this day in alignment with these principles or am I actually judging myself, forcing myself to do um, tasks that I think I should do or I think other people will value but that I don't? Mm. And so I guess I guess what's been interesting for me is that, you know, it's, it's an evolution um, and it's not something that, for me at least, that I sort of learn once and is instantly <laughs> um, achieved or integrated. Mm. Wow, that's a great point. Yeah. yeah. What is truly pleasurable um, changes. Mm. And for me, honoring that as well. Um, I think, you know, and, and in your work uh, so resonates and is so powerful to me because it, it honors that and it's not this idea of there's, there's one diet or there's one movement or there's one way of being that you will follow into for the rest of your life. <laughs> um, and I think I used to operate like that. Like if I'm happy doing, if I'm happy running one day, why am I not happy running every day? Um, mm-hmm. If, you know, if that time that I was vegan, I felt really good, shouldn't that mean that I'm vegan for the rest of my life? Well, no, then I stopped liking being vegan and, and seeing pleasure as something that in itself evolves. So thank you for such a beautiful question. Mm, excellent. Yeah, so having more and more friends that are in this mindset mm-hmm. and being involved with communities and, 
and people and environments that support this way of thinking will have helped mm. to ingrain it. And I mean, you can come to design your life to have a beautiful bubble of positivity around you. It doesn't mean you're checking out from the pains of the world to create mm. your own microcosm that is very positive in a pretty dark world. And mm. I believe it's from there. You put your own oxygen mask on first to get yourself into a really great positive state of enjoyment and balance. And then you can be a powerful change agent, a powerful activist. The world needs our help. Um, you know, let's go out and do something about it. Oh, I just love that so much. Thank you. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that also touches on the the value of of putting pleasure and connecting into you as woman of power, that this is so not um, done in only service of ourselves, but that it is in service of ourselves to then be bigger change agents in the world. Um, yep. And and back to your question, I mean, I think that that it's been so wonderful for me to connect with so many women who this way of thinking and living resonates with and seeing how wonderful it is to live in a world where I'm predominantly surrounded by others who are choosing um, are choosing this path. And it's been certainly not, not easy and not without facing darkness, as you say. Um, but really, really, um, I wouldn't, wouldn't trade it for, for anything in the world. Mm, great to be in this community. Yeah. And well. wherever you find yourself in your path of learning, and those who are listening to this interview, just know there's going to be some woman who you're looking up to and going, wow, she's so amazing. I wish I could be like her. And there's going to be another woman who's looking at you like that going, wow, she's so mm-hmm. amazing. I wish I could be like her. <laughs> And really not to get caught in this comparison despair, comparison despair being that what it sounds like, that despair that comes over us when we get caught in comparisons of, you know, who is one better than me and to where am I in the pecking order and all of that. It really can get you very depressed. So I recommend Uh not engaging in that. Just don't go there. Instead, value what you value about the women around you that you admire, appreciate them, respect them, you know, give that its worthy due, and respect yourself for where you are, and know that you are infinitely malleable. You can you can grow and develop your mind, your brain, your skills. Your if you want something, go get it. Nothing's holding you back. Um, but you will be held back if you get into comparison despair because you're going to feel like shit. So the key is to stay out of the comparison despair and um, stay in the intention to be inspired and to keep on growing. Beautiful. I can't thank you enough for that. The comparison, if I catch myself in, in a really bad place, it usually always goes back to comparison. And I personally, for me, comparison I see as just in this intense opposition with compassion um, and compassion being something that, I, when I can really feel in compassion, whether it's for myself or others or the world or nature, then it's the most beautiful and uplifting feeling. Um, mm. So thank you. I think this is a really beautiful place for us to pause and thank you for so much, so much guidance and learnings from this conversation um, for myself personally and I'm sure for the listeners as well. Um, mm, thank, thank you. you. 
Can I ask, um, and we'll, of course, link to your your different websites and books and programs, but is there something in particular today that you're most excited about um, in your work? Mm. I think uh, most exciting really is my book that came out this year, Pleasurable Weight mm-hmm. Loss, mm-hmm. The Secrets of Feeling Great, Losing Weight, and Loving Your Life Today. And it's my life's work up until this mm-hmm. point, more or less, encapsulated in one um, entertaining volume that is is a how-to weight loss book. It's also part memoir. It's uh, It's about weight loss, obviously. It's about pleasure. It's about being what it means to be a female animal, to be a living creature uh, on this planet, finding our way, wanting to be healthy, wanting to feel sexy, wanting to feel safe. So that's on my on the website. You can go to pleasurableweightloss.com, and I have a free seven-day program that's an introduction to the book, and you can get the book there too. And, yeah, it's at Barnes & Noble with uh, different booksellers around the country. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, it's it's so beautiful. And um, I can't believe we haven't mentioned the female animal yet. So <laughs> if you're hearing that and wanting to learn more, then, yeah, go over to Jenna's site and get the book because it's really powerful. Thank you so much for listening to the Pleasure with O Actually podcast with me, Kit Murray Maloney. This podcast was produced by the wonderful Molly Ryder, and music was created and provided by the talented Ernest Gonzalez. Ladies, for more tips on women's sexual pleasure and how to prioritize your orgasms, I invite you to join the Oh Actually Pleasure Pledge. You can find all the super hot and fun details at oactually.com slash pleasure pledge, all one word. I look forward to having you join me here next week for another juicy conversation. Until then, remember, please prioritize your pleasure and love what feels good. <laughs>